0: Love Talk Radio. blog talk radio and affiliate networks. This episode is brought to you by Health Innovation Media, monitoring and informing the journey to a sustainable healthcare economy. Welcome everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show and joining me in the virtual studio is my colleague and partner in crime, <laughs> Fred Goldstein, <laughs> a principal co-host and co-founder of Pop Health Week. Hey, Fred. Hello, Greg. How are
1: you doing this week?
0: (laughs) Good. We're we're having a little rambunctious moment here, Pierre. So um, for those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a veteran healthcare executive and president of Accountable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm and past chair and current board member of the Population Health Alliance. Fred's experience spans hospital and health system administration, HMO general management, and as the founder of a disease management company, my background includes thought leadership and consulting for hospitals, health systems, capitated medical groups, IPAs, PHOs, and MSOs. I publish and principally author ACOWatch.com and founded Health Innovation Media, known principally on social media as Two Health Guru. Today, we continue our coverage of issues in the emerging and dynamic population health space, including evidence based best practices with key thought leaders, innovators, academicians, and best-in-class vendors. Our guest today is Brian Klepper, PhD, a healthcare analyst, commentator, and entrepreneur who specializes in healthcare market dynamics and the drivers of the cost crisis. He is president of Health Value Direct, a healthcare analytics and consulting firm specializing in high-performance, high-impact, in connecting high-performance, high-impact healthcare organizations with organizational health care purchasers. Brian is a former CEO of the National Business Coalition on Health, representing 50 regional business health coalitions, about 500 employer and union health benefits purchasers, and some 35 million people. Much of Brian's work has been focused on the mechanisms that underlie America's health care costs crisis and how institutionalized clinical and business practices have distorted care and cost patterns, driving unnecessary cost. His perspective favors patients whose medical care often exposes them to needless physical risk and purchasers whose health care costs are double those in other developed nations, creating a cascade of negative economic impacts. An in-demand speaker who has delivered more than 300 addresses, most of them keynotes, over the past decade. He is a columnist for physician site Medscape and a regular contributor to health affairs Kevin M.D. and other expert healthcare care blogs. He's a reviewer for health affairs and the Journal of Ambulatory Care Management. And in his spare time, Brian is an offshore sailor. So with that introduction, Fred, over to you. Help us get to know this seasoned professional. Thank you so much, Greg. And hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Hi, Fred.
1: How you doing? How you doing, Greg? Nice to be here. We're glad you're on the show. And obviously, it's, a, it's an interesting one. We've got the East Coast contingent of two from Jacksonville and, and Greg out there on the West Coast in San Diego. So we're covering it, and, and we're not too far apart here. Um, Brian, I've known you for years now. I guess it's over two decades. We've had the opportunity to work together quite a bit. Um, talk a little bit, a little bit about your thinking on the healthcare system today, where it's at, and where you think the pain points are?
2: Well, I think that the healthcare industry has us tied up nine ways to Sunday. And I think that, that uh, they basically have bought off Congress and the legislatures, and they're in control. Um, the, the, the real evidence for this is in the Affordable Care Act itself in 2009, the year that the law was formulated, Congress accepted with open arms, both sides of Congress, $1.2 billion in campaign contributions from the industry. And that, that money was, was not just a gift. It was in exchange for influence over the shape of the law. And as we can see, while the law has done a few very good things, uh, it has not controlled cost at all. And as a matter of fact, yesterday a, a great article came, came out by Bob Lashevsky. That detailed how expensive um, how 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 health plans that are on the exchanges now are literally priced out of the reach of middle middle class Americans. Um, so that that's not helpful at all, um, and we we continue to pay outrageously egregious prices for things that people in other countries pay a fraction for. Uh, for example, um, Savaldi. Um, we're paying $1,000 a pill for. In Egypt, that same pill, that same drug, is $10 a pill, and in, and in India, it's $4 a pill. And I, it's hard to understand how that can be justified. Across the board, in drugs particularly, in specialty drugs most particularly, the the, the pricing on things is not tethered to anything that we can understand, and the, and the pricing is often three to 10 times what it is in other developed nations. In that scenario, in the, in the larger, in the macro, um, healthcare has become the, the most serious threat to the national economic security in, of, any, of any problem in the country. And uh, it, it, it is absorbing every, all the other money. Um, there's a study that came out in 2011 from RAND that showed that 89% of all of the growth in household income is now being absorbed by healthcare all new money uh, for households in in the economy is all being absorbed by healthcare, which means that only seventy nine percent which means that only twenty one percent is available for other things that that also matter like education and the environment and and energy and 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 so on um, and and our our businesses that are operating on the international stage have to overcome a nine plus point disadvantage on healthcare just to be at a level playing field with their competitors in Korea or Australia or Germany. There's that's that's too high a bar. No no organization can meet that bar. So healthcare is, is literally undermining the sustainability of the Republic as we've come to know it. And and because we're locked up in policy, it means we're not doing anything about it in a meaningful way. And so that means that the only options for change, for meaningful change, are in the marketplace. And that's something that we should talk about more. So it's a little long winded, but
1: yeah. That was I was right on target there. And right? so if the if the if the law essentially set this up and as we all agree, there's no cost controls in it, and while people have touted the fact that over the last years or so, inflation for healthcare has been considerably less than than prior years, it's also because general inflation has been considerably less than in prior years, and in fact, I think it's probably been double the general inflation rate ever since we could measure it roughly. But what do we what do we do? Where can we find sort of the the wedge to begin to get into this system and create real change?
2: Yeah. Well, what, one slight correction: the the uh, up until about. Two and a half, three years ago, the Kaiser Family Foundation data showed that that healthcare inflation had been had been um, four and a half times general inflation for 14 years. So this is not a new problem that was caused by the by the the Affordable Care Act. It was that the Affordable Care Act. Uh, uh, essentially didn't do anything meaningful to address the problem and if anything it's exacerbated it not because there weren't good intentions but because the industry the industry got control of it um there are things that people can do um and one of the one of the things that is the most powerful is to understand that we all make purchasing choices and that sometimes those purchasing choices can be very powerful uh, as it stands, conventional purchasing in healthcare care is, is, is exactly that. It's conventional. It's the norm. So employers all over the United States, employers and unions, go and buy their health plan coverage from mostly the large legacy players, United, Aetna, Cigna, the Blues, and so on, and they get ordinary policies, there's almost no medical management, no real me- aggressive management of the clinical or financial risk in ways that we actually know how to do but don't. And, and so, it, it, so everybody gets approximately similar results. And, the, and the, the tragedy of it is that we have come to believe that the way that we do healthcare care in America as a result of those many perverse incentives is, is the right way to do it and, it and that is the norm. When in fact, when you look at it across, when you look at international comparators and you see not only what, the, what their care patterns are but what their costs are, you find that our care and cost patterns are wildly distorted from the normal. Uh, we can talk about that in, a little bit more in a bit, but, but there are, when you also look deeply into the marketplace, You'll find that there are companies that do healthcare in a different way, and it turns out that there are, um, there that culturally, there are similarities between these companies. They typically have been founded by and are led by people who are very passionate about healthcare. They tend to have, they tend to be mission-driven, and they have lots and lots of subject matter expertise. Within some particular niche, and in that niche, they have they have looked at and addressed some complicated problem in healthcare, and they've come up with a completely different solution than everybody else who's in that space. So,
1: and it, so with these new companies that that provide these services in a in a different manner, I, I guess you would say they're much more value based companies. They're providing more value for the what their their costs are. Are they are. Why aren't the health plans using these
2: companies? There are two reasons. One is because they (laughs) irritate the uh, conventional providers who make up their networks. Um, uh, In orthopedics, for example, there's good evidence that most most orthopedic care produces double the appropriate care that's necessary uh, at, at very, very high cost and then um and then there's a second reason, and that's that the health plans uh one of the things that most people in America really don't get they really don't don't uh haven't dug in and, and looked at carefully is that health plans make more money if health care costs more they they have they don't have a financial incentive for health care to cost less. they have an incentive over time for it to cost more, and so the health plans have been making money on the excessive care and the and the excessive revenues that are associated with that, and they don't want to give up that revenue.
1: So mm-hmm. you've essentially articulated a number of times in the past that it's really the employers that need to drive this change, and and particularly those that are self-insured. So what should they be looking to do, and how can they do that?
2: Yeah, it's very hard. I don't, you know, I I believe that that it that it really is up to the purchasers, meaning the unions and and the employers who who provide coverage for their employees. But uh I don't know that it can happen. There needs to be a groundswell of activity around it. And these are people who aren't this isn't what they worry about. They worry about how they do how they make their widgets. They worry about other things. And that and a large part of that system has been passed off to other folks who are often conflicted to brokers who may be taking money from the from the health plans at the same time they're advising their 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 clients and so on. So I don't know that it's possible and it and if it's not possible, then then there's not really a good way out until everything collapses. But um it's true, there, there's only one group in America that's stronger and more powerful than the healthcare industry. The healthcare industry is, is about one-fifth of the economy and that's everybody else. Um, so, so the rest of business is four-fifths of the economy. And, and in, a, in a game where the most powerful and influential group wins, which is the game that's currently, that's the current structure of the game now in Washington, there's only one way to beat the healthcare industry, and that's for everybody else to galvanize and mobilize. And, so, and that's where, where it needs to happen. So you've got Health Value Direct, this
1: company. Give us some ideas of some of the services you've uncovered that you believe employers could look to to save some money and get better outcomes. Yeah, there's,
2: outcomes. there's, there's you, you know, as a, as a personal aside, somebody who's worked on this same problem, like both of you guys have, for you know, forever, <laughs> like yeah. like for my whole career, this stuff is exciting and it's wild and it's thrilling when you see it. Um, uh, Fred, you attended with with me and about twenty five other people, I guess. Uh, we went three weeks ago down to the Cayman Islands to visit a hospital system, a hospital that had been built built there a year and a half ago by the Narayana system out of Bangalore, India. Uh, the Narayana system was founded by a very charismatic cardiologist out of India who, who, as if it weren't enough that he had done this, also happened to be Mother Teresa's personal physician. Um, and, and when you meet Do, uh, Dr. Shetty, Devi Shetty is his name, you know, in, in, in the materials, he says 100 years after the first heart, uh, first heart surgery, four-fifths of the people on earth cannot, cannot afford to access that, that kind of care. And if they have a problem, they simply die. And their goal was to build the best quality health, health system that they possibly could and make it as affordable as possible to be available to, to as wide a range of people as possible. And they have built a hospital in the Cayman Islands that is aimed squarely at not only serving the rest of the Caribbean, but they're, serving, they're interested in serving the US as well. This is an organization that has, has done, done all kinds of innovative things, has very, very high quality care, very low infection rates, very low readmit rates. They do very high intensity surgeries and as well as chronic care, chronic care procedures. And they're, they're coming in with very good outcomes at somewhere between a half and one-sixth the cost of, of care in the U.S. And it's an hour flight from Miami. Um, it's a very exciting proposition, and it's going to be extremely disruptive. I mean, let me give you an example. Um, so the hepatitis C problem that I mentioned, the, mentioned a little bit ago, there are something like 3.2 million people in the U.S. who have hepatitis C, and many of them are getting treatments. And because the drug is ninety-two thousand um, dollars, there's there's a, there's actually a new drug that was just released by Merck that drops that price somewhat. But it's a very these are very expensive drugs here, and and so when you add in the drug plus the administration and and whatnot, uh, last year I talked to a, I talked to some brokers earlier in the week, they had. Forty or fifty cases that they that they managed last year, and they were about $150,000 a case. Uh, th- this this hospital in the Cayman Islands is doing them for $25,000 a case. Um, so if you if you're a self-funded employer and you have a patient like this, and you, you may want to go to the patient and say say look, first let me show you the quality on this place. Let me sh- let let's look at the data. But if you're convinced and you go, I will give you uh, a strong financial incentive to go there because I think it's going to be good for you and it's, you're going to get great quality care. But at the same time, the purchaser, the guy who's paying the bill is going to save a lot of money too. And that's that's the kind of thing that would be hugely disrupted in the U.S. healthcare system. Um, there's another, another organization out of Tallahassee, Florida that does musculoskeletal management, but instead of using an orthopedic model, they use a physical therapy model. They've got Several very large clients, including clients like General Dynamics and Michelin North America. And the data after 25,000 patients have gone through this system shows, shows that they're getting much better health outcomes. We're talking here reductions in pain, um, uh, activities of daily living, range of motion, in about half the recovery time and in about 60% of the cost. Musculoskeletal is 20 to 25% of all the money so, so you 're talking about a very significant drop in total spend to get much better outcomes, and the data supports it um, uh, so why wouldn't somebody who's got who's got musculoskeletal condition problems in his population in his or her population, both in group health and in, and in occupational health, move to this kind of model and get much better results um, I mean it's it it's profound and the data the data are there to support it or there there are people who do analysis of drug pricing uh for they do analysis of pharmacy benefit management arrangements going in and reviewing the contracts and typically the combined impact can be can be 40% re- reduction in total spend on drugs which can result in about a 6 or 7% reduction in total healthcare spend. I mean, when you start looking at these things like we like 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 I'm doing, the amount of money to be saved not by doing anything dramatic, but by simply using somebody who's who's doing it in a better way, a, a, a demonstrably better way, employers can save 20% or more um, in in a year or two and have have that cost reduced re, Reduced from their total healthcare spend. It's very dramatic, very exciting.
1: So obviously, so, some of these, like, which was, which would really, really a place a to, great visit, great place to visit, and, visit, and and see and their and quality, quality etc. Et it's, it's it's a narrow network a narrow approach, narrow approach, network or, approach yeah. or a value based network yeah. approach. But you're you're having people have to go out of country. There are some disruptions that have to be. Um, dealt with in order to use a system like that. Do you think things like that will push U S providers to do things similar in terms of pricing and
2: options? I absolutely do. I, I think that there, that it'll have two kinds of impacts. The first impact is that, um, when, when costs for especially very high, high intensity procedures like, like, um, bypass grafts cardiac coronary bypass grafts uh, are are move away from a local hospital to an off to a near shore facility like this because there's a hundred thousand dollar difference or a seventy five thousand dollar difference or whatever it may be I think that that, that it's going to give hospitals a wake up call but that, I think it'll have other impacts as well for example, one of the things that you know you 'll remember that we saw was that the average Hospital bed for under new construction in the u s is running between about a million and a half and and five million dollars um, Well this group did it by by being careful they did it for about four hundred and thirty thousand dollars and they and they they predict that the next go round they can do it for about three hundred and eighty thousand dollars per bed well that's that that's all of a sudden now you have a you have a a hemispheric marketplace and and so so if you're going to if you're going to compete, not only on the basis of quality but on basis of efficiency as well, now you're really getting to to a, a contest over real value, and that's got to be that's got to be a wake up call to the U.S. players. So, what are you doing with Health Value Direct and taking out to the market? Well, at first we're we're going to. Uh, groups that we know, large groups, and 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 as you're aware, you know I've been involved with a lot of large groups for a long time, so I know a lot of people. But ultimately, the real play is to go through through brokers, and and frankly, I'm not all that interested in the big national brokers. Uh, I'm more interested in very strong regional brokers who are trying to find new value to deliver to their clients. Um, and, and who are who are very progressive on their own. So we're we're approaching those organizations and showing them these these uh, these offerings and saying work with us to 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 get this into the marketplace. And so far we've had a we've had a very warm reception from brokers. Very interesting. And if there are brokers who are listening to this program, get in touch.
1: <laughs> Great. Uh, sorry about that, Brian. I was just trying to figure out this echo, but we'll continue on here. Um, as as the system changes, what we've seen, I, I know there are some providers, for example, in Oklahoma doing some surgeries that are apparently flat rated, fixed priced. Do you think we can actually get enough providers to begin to look at that and, and make it a value-based system versus what they're doing now?
2: Well, you know, one of my favorite um quotes in healthcare comes from uh Florida Governor Rick Scott, um who used to be as we all know the CEO of Health of Hospital Corporation of America and he got up in front of a venture capital group and he said, "How many companies do you know that want to have half the revenues this year that they had next that they had last year?" And that's why the healthcare industry isn't going to fix the healthcare industry. So they will they will go down, you know, Fighting and screaming um, to take—they don't want to take less money. But the fact is, is that healthcare cost in the U.S. is crazy. It's killing everything else, and uh, and there are ways around it. And so, you know, if if an employer, for example, um, is sees an employer or a union sees, for example, the musculoskeletal management company. That I, that I mentioned, and they say if I've got uh, if I've got my patients, I'm going to go through that one because I can get better results at lower cost. That's a rational that's a rational purchasing decision. And and if and if if one guy does it, nobody cares. But if 50 people do it, all of a sudden that's worth noticing, and health plans will change the way they do business. It that will that will change the market um i you know i don't want to be completely negative about what's gone on in at the policy level i i i think that the i think that c m s deserves a lot of credit for trying to move the system to uh to, to a much more of a of a risk basis on on payment and 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 that has been a herculean task and a and a critically important task but we're not there yet i mean so so There, it's it's important and it's right and it's good and we need to we need to continue at it. But there are organizations out there that will willingly say say to 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 clients, I can I can get you a better result, and I am so confident that I will do it that I'll put part of my fees at risk uh, against the against the the possibility that I don't do it. So So, Brian, it's Greg. Brian. Brian.
0: Brian, it's Greg. Let, let, let me let me pop in here because Fred's trying to figure out his echo and we're we're having some continuing issues. But um, it sounds to me like you're talking about some direct contracting, maybe revisiting the whole approach to direct contracting, which was about a disintermediation play back in the 90s. Um, if that's correct, why would you see that succeeding today when it might have had a dubious Track record previously, and the health plans stepped back in and asserted themselves as the as the
2: value-added third party. Well, I, I think that it was. I think that the the premise of direct contracting was different in the 90s. I think that they said, well, I'm an employer, and if I just go to my local hospital, I cut out the middleman, which is the health plan. And what what I'm saying is, no, you don't want to do that. You want to go to somebody who, has, who can demonstrate that they're great. I mean, when the local hospital comes to an employer and he says, if you give me all of your business, you know, I'm really gonna do it differently than we've done it in the past and it's gonna be great. The first question I would ask them is, okay, well, I assume that you've done this to your own employees, so show me the data that when, you, when you're managing your own employees, that the costs drop and the outcomes get better. And I, and I think that that principle holds here. I want to go to vendors who can demonstrate that they are actually getting, they're managing the process in a much better way and they're getting much, much better results and that, that can be quantified and, it's, and the, 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 where the data is credible. We need to know how they calculated their results. And I think that that, that becomes the basis. So what this new company does is it, is it provides that function and provides the oversight to make sure that it's happening correctly. And I Some think more, that we're almost out of Yeah. So
0: more of a complementary fit on the analytics side in terms of value.
2: Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a hard, rigorous look at value. I think that's where we need to go. Okay. Well, there
0: you have it, Brian. Uh, again, I'm sorry we had a little bit of the audio issues on this one. Perhaps we'll have to reschedule, get you back again. It's a timely conversation. Judging from our earlier uh, pre on air chat, uh, there's a, a lot deeper we could go here in terms of personal narratives to back up some of these statements around um, structural issues in reform and ultimately whether it's going to fix things or whether we will, in fact, have a collapse of the healthcare financing and delivery system in the country before things actually change. Uh, in a material way. So there you have it. That'll be the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank our special guest, Brian Klepper, for his time and insights today. Uh, Do follow Brian uh, via at bklepper, that's B-K-L-E-P-P-E-R, and the number one. And check out the Health Value Direct on the web at www.healthvaluedirect.com. Uh, until we meet again on a blog uh, on, on Pop Health Week for Fred Goldstein. This is Greg Meester saying, bye now.